0: Alright, welcome to the uh, program We have a big update today, very important update on Afghanistan We talk about what's happening in Australia with the lockdowns And a little football as well Which I I watched a little bit because my son's playing football now And so he's watching it um, I didn't think it was as bad As it has been in the last couple of years Everybody says it's really bad I mean the NFL is is not
1: that bad Baseball is better than basketball Basketball is legitimately
0: intolerable And the NBA is intolerable It's basically just a Democratic arm That occasionally dribbles Which is strange Because that's exactly how I would describe Joe Biden Which we also talk about in today's podcast
2: To the best of the Glenn Beck Program.
0: What's going on in Australia is truly bizarre. Truly bizarre. They have the longest and the harshest lockdown in the world. Uh, nobody's going in or out of the country. You can't shop. Uh, they're killing dogs. So nobody comes and picks them up and tries to rescue them it is bizarre what is going on we wanted to talk to um, avi yemi uh, Yemeni. he is the australian uh, bureau chief for rebel news uh former israeli defense F- uh, force marksman turned citizen journalist and he has been watching this and asking the the tough questions in australia avi is in australia now hello avi how are you
2: G'day, Glenn. How you going?
0: <laughs> it's uh, good to talk to you. Avi, first of all, tell us what's what's happening, because we in the United States are looking at this and thinking that those in Australia and, frankly, New Zealand, have gone insane. What's happening?
2: I don't think I could describe it any better. I think um, we've normalized it here. It's, um, it was interesting, just a, probably a week ago, people were sending around these photos of of one of the uh, COVID camps that we have in the Northern Territories and uh, I had cousins in Israel send me, are you really, have you really got these COVID camps um, with aerial shots of it? And I said, yeah, you realise nobody in Australia even blinks at that idea anymore because that's, you know, 2020, that's not even 2021. We are in lockdown. We, I'm in a city in Melbourne. This is the most lockdown city in the world. We're just about to hit the, that, um, the, the, the most lockdown, the most amount of days in lockdown. We're in the sixth lockdown right now. We're in the sixth week of the sixth, seventh day snap lockdown. And a lockdown here is uh, unlike what you guys experience in most of the states. Here it is lockdown. You can't go more than 5 k from your house. There's a curfew.
0: Can't go more than five um, k from your house. Five kilometers from your house.
2: Okay. You cannot leave without your papers. You've got to. You've got to be an authorized worker. So as media, if I leave to go to work, um, mm. I have to carry those papers. And if I'm not carrying them, I risk a five thousand dollar fine.
0: Mm. Okay. So, but your idea in Australia is to. I mean, you've only had a 1,000 deaths, so it's remarkable. But your idea is that we're just going to stay in until we have zero zero sickness, which is insanity.
2: Absolutely. They've been chasing zero from the beginning, and uh, the fact is now zero is unsustainable. You can't achieve it anymore. Um, They've had the Delta strain in New South Wales. They're getting over 1,500 cases, I think, today. In Melbourne, where we've in in New South Wales, they tried. They have more of a conservative government. I'm using that term loosely here, but um, conservative for Australia, and they tried to lock down less. Um, Now in in Victoria and Melbourne, where I am, they love to lock down. One, it's like a race to lock down. One case in states, you know, with six million. Citizens, if you get one case of Corona, they lock down for five days. But yeah, uh, you know, we had zero cases on one day. The next day, we had eight cases. They locked down for that snap lockdown, and here we are six weeks uh, into it. And I think today we had about 500 cases, so it's it's growing. Um, that that zero nobody's talking about, at least in the states. In the states that that are uh, currently in lockdown, they're not they're not chasing those zeros anymore. But Um, in the other states where they don't have any cases, they've become a nation unto themselves. We cannot, you know, I can't travel. I'm I'm, I'm a dual citizen, Australian, Israeli. My mum, my grandmum, a lot of my family's in Israel. I haven't seen them for two years. I cannot get there as a dual citizen uh, to visit my own family. Now, that may be shocking to you to hear, but you know what's even more shocking? I can't go and visit family and friends in other states because they've built these um, barriers between them where you just cannot get in, in or know, what, what do you mean uh, they've right built these barriers
0: up. between them? Physical barriers? Well, in,
2: some, in some places, yes, physical barriers. Um, and in others, uh, not so much. It's, it's quite interesting, actually, looking at, you know, from a political perspective, is that those that were very much anti the rhetoric of, of Trump and the border wall seem to be the first... <laughs> to build these, walls, it's your Labor, your left-wing governments that just ran to um, build in in Queensland. So Queensland, New South Wales, you actually have barriers that the Labor government um, has put up there. And it's just a a symbolic, I guess, you know, showing that they're doing something. It's it's seriously politicised the entire thing at the expense of the Australian people.
0: So um, we've we've greatly misjudged um, the Australians. We've always thought that they were very much like Americans, but there is not a libertarian spirit uh, that exists in Australia. Am I correct on that?
2: I still have hope. I still have hope. Um, But yes, I would say it's quite sad to see what happened. I guess, I guess it was more predictable than I would have thought if you look back in nineteen ninety six. It was the Conservatives that gave up the guns in Australia. So I guess it's not such a surprise that, what are we now in 2021? Um, people are just rolling over and and willing to give up every single civil liberty to chase a uh, zero chance of death from a virus.
0: So so what um, is yeah, it? It's a bit. Of, what is the? What are these camps?
2: So they have these ideas. Well, the, the ones that the, the people were sending me photos of w- was just a co. It's it's a COVID quarantine camp um, where they've just it's it's a big facility and they're building them around the country now. So you you know in Melbourne they're building them. They've been using hotel uh, facilities which have, they've just had problem after problem with um, the cases coming out. So now they're building uh, you know big COVID camps for. People returning from uh, overseas. So right now our borders are shut. You can. It, it is very hard to get in and out of the country. You need certain exemptions unless you're rich and famous. It is hard to get in and out of Australia. Um, so the idea is that once the population is uh, a seventy to eighty percent vaccinated, double vaccinated, or by that point, who knows what number vaccination they're going to be talking about, but. Whatever the fully vaccinated means at that point, then they can open the borders, and uh, anybody travelling in from overseas would, uh, I imagine, have to stay at these quarantine again. We don't know. Everything keeps changing. The 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 goalposts keep moving. Every yeah. every uh, everything we aim for and we achieve and we reach, then suddenly, oh, that's not good enough because the virus got far worse since the last time we spoke.
0: There was a. Um um audio that i heard a, a video that was that was going viral around uh around america where you had somebody in the ministry of health saying uh we're going to vaccinate you know uh, this number of children at the stadium and parents are not a not allowed uh to attend it, did that happen is that true you're just taking children I,
2: I I don't know what the audio is, but uh, these days I would not be surprised now they're talking about the push for... uh, So now they're pushing for 12 and above in schools. I don't think... At at this point, it's not against the the will of the parents. I haven't seen anything like that, but I wouldn't be surprised. At at this point, they're trying to mandate it everywhere um, and coerce everyone into having the vaccine, including children, right now until 12. But uh, I've heard today uh, so-called health experts saying that we should be pushing under 12 as well. And I I don't think any of them are, uh, any of the vaccines have been approved for under 12, but it doesn't seem to stop these madmen who have been given, who are just high on power. That's the problem, you've got health bureaucrats who are just enjoying the power trip and it's gone on for, we're coming up to two years soon. And it's got to stop. I don't know how much more Australians can put up with this, but it it is scary. It is scary to think, to see it happen and unfold. And, you know, we look, a couple of years ago, we were so free and we we would have never expected that um, this kind of restrictions could sustain more than that first 14 days to flatten the curve. If you would have asked me in those first 14 days, I would have thought there was no chance. But here we are, and I think, um, yeah, I'm, I'm hopeful that, the, that there is a bit of libertarian spirit and people stand up and um, realize that they've been taken for a ride. But it is scary how many people.
0: Have you heard what the plan I mean, once you open this up, uh, you're going to get travelers, and you're going to get sick. I mean, you just can't do this. Um, it's you know,
2: your you know, problem. You, the pro- they won't let you in, Glenn, because you make too much sense. Uh. When you talk too much common sense. You. No, know but I mean, has ac- anyone asked that? Accurate? I mean,
0: at some point you're going to open it up, and at some point you're going to then have very little immunity to whatever it is at that time.
2: I think they've been fo- they've been so focused on policing people's thoughts, policing people's. Actions, you know, some of the people that stood up and, the, and and they did have that spirit you mentioned before. A lot of them are in jail right now. <laughs> I don't know if you guys experienced that. There are people I know personally that have gone to jail for these crimes called incitement for inciting people to stand up for their freedom.
0: I saw a guy. I saw a guy on a horse that looked like Braveheart, where he was saying, "Cross the border. They can't <laughs> all arrest us now. Freedom."
2: <laughs> I think he's probably in jail. I know you I know what you're talking about, and that is at that border that i was i mentioned earlier where they did resurrect um the labor government did put up a barrier. but what is happening is in australia and I, and I think Americans um you guys need to take heed of what's happening here because guess what we are. Physically ahead in time, we are, I don't know what time it is, it's 11.21pm for me today on Monday, so I'm ahead of you, so look into the future, see what's happening in Australia, and do not let it happen to the States, because Mm -hmm. uh, uh, one day I want to come back and visit you when I'm allowed out of this country, and I I hope that it's the same America that I love and remember, and um, yeah
0: avi please stay in touch with us um i appreciate um you letting us know what's going on and and uh telling us what you know what, what the real situation is because we, we're looking at this from afar. going wait that can't be happening um not in australia it is, it is. yeah it's sad it, it is the truth it is what's happening
2: and uh i appreciate your voice and appreciate the more voices that stand up and speak it's weird because just before this all took place i was in hong kong for rebel news and i was reporting from the front lines there in the protest and i remember just thinking yes get let's get more of the world to you know shine a light what's happening here on the it is i can't believe what is unfolding on these beautiful streets of hong kong and now i'm here today in melbourne australia and some of those, some of the protests that I see here and I report on, are far more dangerous for me as a journalist than it was for me then in Hong Kong. So I, I have thank to, you for, I, for I,
0: I have to take a quick break. But Avi, just give me thirty seconds. Are there going to be any small businesses that survive this in Australia? I, I feel like the plan is to kill them all. Oh my God! And they may wow. succeed. Avi Yemeni, he is the Australian Bureau Chief of Rebel News from Australia. Thank you so much for staying up so you could be on the program with us. I appreciate it. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck Program. Welcome to Monday. It's the 13th of September. And uh, I wished that I was going to get on the air and tell you something today that is, I mean, will be made into a movie probably long after we're dead. And our names will be changed to protect the actual people that actually did stuff. Um, But it is a movie. What's going on right now is is one of the most amazing things I have ever personally witnessed. And it is the evacuation of Americans, those who helped us, Christians that are dying, women that are under incredible conditions. I I see things that I can't show you. I see things I, I... I see the pleadings from people who are in safe houses, please don't forget us. I see what they're being sent by the Taliban. If I die today, my entire life will have been worth it for what you have helped get done. In just the last three weeks, you have saved well over 5,000 people. Now, remember, our goal for $20 million was three to 5,000 people, and we thought that would be incredible. I cannot give you at today's date how many people you have actually saved. Because we don't want anyone, this program and everything is monitored closely. And so, I want to be extraordinarily careful. But I will tell you that the number is bigger than 5,000 people. What is what I hoped to have happened this weekend is still so incredibly close. I, I was told that if it didn't happen this weekend, a window is closing, and that window has not yet closed. And there are people that are... Um, <laughs> that are yet to save and more than what you see on TV, more than what the White House is telling you. I will leave it at that. There are dark forces that are at play here. Unfortunately, there are dark forces still at play In our own White House and in our own State Department. And I have, again, spoken to many people over the weekend. Why won't they just get out of our way? Today, I won't speculate on that. Today, I pray... That there is at least one person in on the side of America that will do the right thing. Today I ask that you pray for those in the Middle East that are in the midst of doing work that a Moses-style miracle will happen. We just honestly need two people to move two people please pray that that happens today they are in bed most likely in afghanistan our operatives that are working undercover have now gone to work There are several people that are in dire need of medical care. Friday, we told you, along with the congressman from Oklahoma who had just returned, he had a father And two daughters that were blue passport Americans and a mother who had a permanent residence green card. And the daughter was very ill and they thought that if we couldn't get her out of there that she would lose her legs. I got a call on Saturday morning that we were too late, that she didn't lose her legs. She lost her life waiting. There are now two Americans instead of three and a green passport holder that is waiting for a miracle at the State Department. if in the next few days I don't wanna say that I have great hope but we are now running into a situation in the Middle East that is deteriorating quickly and the options Soon will be one person at a time. And there are thousands that need to be out. There are girls that have already been promised to be the brides of the Taliban. There are the girls of the Afghani National Institute Orchestra. Their musical instruments were destroyed this weekend by the Taliban. And they are in hiding. I told you for $20 million we could get 3 to 5000 people out we have done that and i will give you and publish all of the numbers for you we have looked at this money yes sacred money I was informed this morning that to do what we want to do is going to require another $6 million. We have raised $35.5 million. We reached our goal, but to do what we're hoping to do. Again, it was like it was at the beginning. We need the money because everyone is saying, when you pull the trigger, I need the money now. I told my staff, "Uh, I don't know how to come to you and ask for that. You have already given so much and you have already saved so many. I hope to be able to tell you in a few days. A miracle of miracles. But I need to ask you again to um, give if you can. Perhaps those that weren't listening... The first time or haven't given can make up this um, deficit that we have. If you could give to the Nazarene Fund, please go to the NazareneFund.org or mercuryone.org. We're not sure the four planes that were held back by the State Department. We're not sure what happened to those over a thousand people. You really can't use safe houses more than once. And there are very few people that are willing to act as a safe house. But our people have been out all this weekend, not only looking for them, but preparing others. And it is a cat and mouse game. I got word. This weekend. That the the 400 women and children that were asked to go to the other side of the Abbey Gate because of an 82nd Airborne commander who has since been relieved of command told us to get them off the tarmac. He didn't care who they were. They were in his way. We begged him that these people had gone through hell to get through the gate and to put them on the other side of the gate could be a death sentence. He didn't care. I have pictures of these women and children standing in the sewage just outside of the abbey gate. That's where the explosion happened about two hours after We put them on the other side of the gate and told them to please stay as close to the gate as you could because we were going to get it reversed. Two hours after, a bomb went off, and I have told you that out of the 400 women and children, I wasn't sure how many survived. I got word on Saturday (laughs) That we have Flown one mother out of that group to safety. <laughs> you know the Quran says you save one person and it's like you save the whole world. We tried to keep to keep that in mind this weekend there is a uh, there is another story to be told that i hope to be able to tell you today but perhaps tomorrow i will introduce you to someone who has an incredible story to tell that you saved. Today, I just ask, if you can, please donate to the nazarenefund.org, the nazarenefund.org, or mercuryone.org. The best of the Glenn Beck program. Former Portland State University professor and author of How to Have Impossible Conversations, which I would like to talk to him about, perhaps at a later date. Um, Peter Bogosian, he joins us now. Hi, Peter. How are you, sir?
1: Glenn, it is a pleasure to to speak with you again.
0: Likewise. Um, You know, I really enjoyed uh, our conversation. I don't even know how long ago it was, but I did a podcast with you. And you at one point looked at me. Um, uh, just almost with crazy eyes and went, I am really trying hard to find a way to hate you and I can't, I can't do it. Um, You know, we both have that one thing in common that no matter what people say about us, when you can, when you have an actual conversation and it's fair and honest, I I can't find a way to, to, I can find a way to disagree with you, but I can't find a way to find that you're a monster because you're not
1: yeah I, th- I think that that's right so i I want to thank you for your support in spite of our differences over the years, and I think we would make great neighbors and i I've always you. found you an honest broker of conversation. Let me ask something so y- your listeners know that the university system is in crisis now it's sick it's not well and I want to kind of explore some of that with you and get your thinking on this so I believe very strongly—I'll lay my beliefs out on the table, and then we we can talk about those. So I believe very strongly that we need intellectual diversity in our institutions, and I believe that the people who benefit most from that are the students. Faculty also benefit, but the students are those individuals who benefit most from that. Uh, So that's one, one point. The second point is I, to say the least, do not like Marxism. (laughs)
0: <laughs> I think it's a,
1: it's a poisonous ideology, yes. and it's a failed ideology. Now, with that said, I believe, and I want to ask if you believe this, I believe that there should be a Marxist in a an economics department.
0: I don't have a problem with that, as long as it's fairly taught. And look, I, I truly believe two of my favorite um, people that uh, seemingly get along, Peter Singer and R- Robbie George. They are completely. Right. I love that, by the way. Yes, I do too. Completely opposite ends of the aisle, um, and they they have decent and fair conversations together. In front of the classes and they don't beat each other up or call each other names. They state the facts as they understand them. The best universities and the best university professors should push you. If you're a conservative, they should push you on everything that you believe and challenge you and do the same for the liberal in the class. And the professor, you should not have any idea which side he's on. Just teach people how to critically think. Right.
1: And Robbie George and Peter Singer are perfect examples of that because yes. I think they embody intellectual integrity. Yes. But I want to use that as a commonality that you and I have. So you and I both believe that there should be intellectual diversity, our institutions benefit, the faculty benefit, but particularly the students benefit. That commonality that we share, that's absence from those who want to rob us of our cognitive liberty. Yes. That's absent. They don't want intellectual diversity. Correct. They are systematically creating a monoculture where they cull divergent voices, and it's not by accident.
0: Well, they're doing it's that. As God. you know, Peter, they're doing that beyond the university. I mean, uh, there was a time that I was hired by CNN. There is no way in hell anything like that would ever happen today. Uh, the Correct. same, the same thing with. I mean, try to get. Uh, you know, I have a, a book that sold millions of copies. That is a is a great story. Uh, in fact, Paramount bought it at one point, and then the pressure started up. And I can't get anyone in Hollywood to do it, and it doesn't break my heart, but. They don't they will not allow anyone who disagrees with their religion to be able to to speak out or have a platform at all.
1: Right. And that's exactly what it is. It's a religion and it's spread from the universities into the society at large. And now people are many people have woken up to this. Some some people are still in their their slumber the question is either what do we do about it or how do we navigate, like how do we push it back or how do we deal with this thing that we all have to live with? You know, we're all walking on eggshells. We never get to voice our opinion. Honestly, we never even know what anybody else means. We, listen, it, it, the reason that you and I can have an authentic relationship is because I know what you mean when you say something, Yes, you don't have to, pussyfoot around i don't i can speak bluntly and directly to you and we can engage our disagreements honestly a, a phrase that that's not used anymore but like men right like adults we can sit there We can, if i don't know what you think and you don't know what i think we can never have authentic relationships because nobody knows who the other person is or wor- what the other person th- yeah go
0: ahead uh, or worse if one side is telling everyone this is what they mean and that doesn't reflect reality at all and they paint you into something entirely different not just leaving us as i don't know what they think would be a blessing but the, instead it is it is painting people that they never discuss uh, anything with painting them as monsters correct
1: And and so I think it's really important for your listeners and others to know that your enemies are those who want to rob you of cognitive liberties and who want you to think a certain way and to be a certain way. Your enemies are not people who have substantive political disagreements with you. That's what America is about. Yes. This is the land of the free. And that's what we do. There are rules of engagement. We talk to each other, I'm not a big fan of debate, I much prefer a conversation, but debate is fine. But we engage those ideas in the public square, and then we, we vote on them. And I think that we are losing something fundamental in this country, and we have to start talking to each other again, we have to. We have to start speaking across divides, we have to start looking and you put your finger on it exactly, it's people looking at other people as moral monsters, not merely that they're wrong, but that they're bad people.
0: So, Peter, um, as we are as we are looking at this, uh, I mean, let me say something that I don't think you'll hear others on the right say. And that is uh, right now I am extraordinarily concerned about what's happening in Washington with the power grab, the unconstitutional power grab that is uh, staggering and leaves you breathless when you look at it. But I will tell you, if it continues to go this way, and you continue to push people into a corner, right now, the number one enemy, according to Democrats, the number one enemy to the to America is the Donald Trump voter. The number one enemy in uh, to Republicans, I believe, is China, uh, and then the next one, I believe, is terror. Number four or five is the Democrats. Um, And but I tell you, if you continue to go this way, you're going to get a demagogue the other way. That will just be, be just as frightening. We've got to stop this swing so far towards authoritarianism.
1: Yeah. And here's one of the reasons for that. When you disallow people from honestly voicing their opinion through political correctness or what have you. If you do not talk about your problems, your problems will not go away. In fact, quite the contrary, they'll be worse. And if as a society, we continue to not be honest about the nature of our problems, a strong man or a, or a demagogue or somebody who claims to have all the answers will. But the founders, as you know, from your, your, your books and what you have spoken about, the founders were very wise. And they knew that and they set up systems of checks and balances. But that system is only so resilient as the populace. And so it's not hyperbole to say that we're in a crisis right now where the behavior that started in the universities has seeped out of the universities. And not only are we not talking to each other and looking at each other as moral monsters, but there's there's a crisis of trust, of confidence in our institutions. And this crisis has to be addressed
0: but how do you address it i mean if you're a conservative you'll look at i mean we conservatives used to believe in the the justice department and the the Correct. court system and we were probably too far the other way where we thought no there's no, no too far the other way we should have had more healthy skepticism but now I mean, Peter, I said last week because of what's going on and I have a a different view of things because I've been working on saving people in Afghanistan with the audience. um, I, I said something I never thought I would say before. If this is what they're doing to our face, what are they doing behind my back? And it makes me say I cannot be an American. I'd renounce my citizenship. That's an extraordinary thing for me to say, but I have zero trust in these institutions.
1: Right. And that's the problem. And you're not alone. I have zero trust in the institutions. So many people have zero trust in the institutions. And so what you did, everybody should, uh, you know, what you did in Afghanistan is absolutely phenomenal. And everybody across the aisle should be stepping forward and saying, wow, that's incredible. Thank you. Like, that's a genuine humanitarian crisis. It doesn't matter what your politics is. You did a phenomenal thing. And so I want to get back to your question of what, what to do about this. I yeah. mean, in an abstract level, at an abstract level, you, you have to stop with this ideological nonsense. And you have to make truth the, the north star of the institution. But in a more uh, concrete level, you have to stand up to bullies. You simply cannot let these people bully you. And you have to be honest that this will probably come at a cost to you. The social media mobs, the slander, the baseless accusations. But if you don't stand up, then that attitude of I'm ashamed to be American and myself, that's going to spread. And then what are we we left with? Nothing. If you think you have problems with America is is the hegemon. Wait until the Chinese take over. I know. So so we have to up. the other thing that people have to do. And I God, I just wish that, you know, listen, I, one of the reasons that I'm on your show, b- besides the fact that I genuinely like you <laughs> as a person, it, is because, to be blunt with you, you called me. Right. Tucker called me. Um, the left won't call me. They won't have conversations. OPB, the Oregonian, I want to talk about what's broken in our, or you even even talk about what's broken. For example, Portland State University uh, President Stephen Percy said that racial justice is his highest priority. Okay, I think there's a legitimate question there. Should racial justice be the highest priority of a taxpayer funded institution? Nobody on the left will talk about We'll talk about it. So here's what i have to say to your audience even if people don't want to talk to you you have to let let it be known that you are willing to talk to them it has to start somewhere okay so right? so you have to start communicating as americans
0: peter i think are, are we scheduled to do a podcast next week do you know oh, i don't think so i don't think so no well we need to be <laughs> we need to and i'd love to have you back so tell me Where do we start? What is a good starting place?
1: What is a good... Well, I I want to pick up from what I last said. Okay. If you're willing to engage people in good faith conversations, I think the important thing is to realize at the end of those conversations, if you don't agree, you can let the other person be wrong. That's okay. You don't have to agree with every single thing everybody believes for you, for, for you to be friends, or for you to have a drink with them, or for you to socialize with them, or it's for you to crazy. bowl with them.
0: This it, is crazy that you it, have to say this, but you're true. It it's is. right. Everybody's trying to win and be right. Stop it. Stop. Reconcile right. with the truth. That's all that needs to be done. And the truth and is, and so- sometimes we disagree. Yeah. Right, and you
1: can let, that's in our book, How to Have Impossible Conversations, you can let friends be wrong. That's okay if someone doesn't agree with you. In fact, it's probably good because then you can have more interesting conversations, right? You can have spirited conversations, and those conversations won't affect the base of the friendship. The underlying structure is that you're a person who loves the truth. Your relationship is, Aristotle talks about this, the highest form of friendship is Between that of two virtuous people, you say what you mean, you're forthright in your speech, you're not sneaky, you're not a liar. That's how you have relationships that matter. And with the corrosion of trust in our institutions and with the universities beset by madness, we are also losing. We're not just losing a society. We're losing our relationships. We're losing our friendships. We're losing our communities. And we need to get that back because that matters.
0: Peter, I think you are an incredibly brave man, um, to, to eat just alone to come on this program. Um, but everything that you've done, including resigning uh, at Portland State University, we'd love to have you on again. His name is Peter Bogosian. He, he's the author of How to Have an Impossible Conversation, or How to Have Impossible Conversations. Uh, and you're going to disagree with his politics, but I think you're going to find him an honest broker and... Um, A deep thinker that has good advice.